Welcome to Mosaics, a podcast featuring the vibrant and diverse stories of refugee resettlement in Idaho. I'm your host, Holly Beach, with the Idaho Office for Refugees. Today we're speaking with Maya Doratovich of Boise. Uh, Maya and her family came from Bosnia to Boise as refugees when she was 11 years old in 1997. And since then, she's been able to see Boise grow from a small, sleepy town to the city that is today. She now considers herself more Idahoan than Bosnian or American, and we'll get a little bit more into that identity piece later in our conversation. Uh, Maya spent the first part of her career as a cosmetologist and has since moved into higher education working at Boise State University. Well, welcome, Maya. Thank you. So good to be here with you, Holly. It's great to have you here. Uh, let's start with some um, of your personal context, let people get to know you a little bit. So can you tell me about uh, your childhood in Bosnia and some of the memories you have and special traditions you had there as a kid? Sure. So I guess I had a regular childhood. I was the only child until I turned six. So for the six, first six years of my life, uh, my parents, uh, we all lived in the city, but I had grandparents that lived in the country. So on the weekends, uh, we would get into our small car which was something it was called ficha but here i don't know if you know yugo do you know yugo or those old bugs like not oh. the new bugs that you see in the street now but like those old bugs like the slug bugs slug, yeah <laughs> those old bugs that we that you, you can imagine we had it was red i remember it was really it was red oh, maybe that's why i always wanted a red car when mm. i got here <laughs> anyway so we would take that red car to visit my grandparents in the country and they lived about like 40 minutes away 50 kind of if you imagine driving to maybe horseshoe bend or mountain home but like on a little bit more treacherous roads and more windy and things like that so we would go there on the weekends and we would help with different things that they had going on so sometimes they would be making uh, jam uh, a lot of bosnians make rakia have you heard of rakia before i'm a little surprised do you drink I do, yes. Okay, I brought it for you to try if you oh. want to. <laughs> bust it out. No, I'm just gonna kidding. bust it out for <laughs> no, real. No, I'm gonna give this to you to take home, oh but it's in a Don Julio bottle that my dad makes just for you know friends. So you can tell us oh. what you think about it. Is it like a wine or a uh, cider? It's a brandy. Interesting. And so we would go over on the weekends to my grandparents, and we would. I'll just give you a little bit to try. Yeah. I still have an interview to conduct here. Maya, are you going to try some too? I will too. <laughs> I usually don't drink this stuff because it's too strong. So your grandparents made this? Uh, my parents? parents, my dad makes this here with plums. This is oh, a plum brandy. Okay. <laughs> it's strong. I'm glad you got some water with you. <laughs> oh, that's really good. So anyway, uh, you, you can take this home and finish it off because we already started it. But. So nice. What a cool family tradition. Um, Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So it's funny how we used to do that in Bosnia. And now, like, we have to make it here every year as well, just at home. Yeah. Oh, it's some, uh, you know, it's fermented through this huge process. And, you know, wow. they all have, like, friends that have this one machine thing that they use to make it. So they all trade off and use it on different weekends oh, that's so to cool. make this uh, plum brandy. So, yeah, that was my that was my uh, childhood. I would go with my parents to the, uh, to the country and then we'd work on things like this, jams. You know, everybody had livestock and um, different things like that so just having fun in the country on the weekends in the summer we would go to the beach at least once a year to Croatia um, have you been to Croatia 
No, but I've heard that it's a really beautiful place. Yeah. And so, yeah, we would go there on the weekend, on the summer holidays, kind of like people here go to Oregon coast. It's mm-hmm. a kind of a common thing to do here. The same thing over there. Everybody did that on the uh, in the summers. And uh, then when I was six years old, my brother was born and the war started. Mm. And so after that, you know, things changed. <laughs> we didn't do those kind of things. Actually, my grandparents and everybody from the country escaped and came to our town. And so at some points we would have like 10, 12 people in one small room, you know, waiting to go to the next town or things like that or just getting away from the from the shelling. Mm. And um Oh, we at some points uh, we escaped to the refugee camp that was in Croatia that my family went to, and um, there there were about ten warehouses on one side, and then there was a cornfield in between, and then t- another ten warehouses on the other side. If you ever drove uh, drive by, actually, I was just there this weekend, and it reminded me on Meridian and Amity. There's a bunch of warehouses. They look just like those warehouses. And so we, um, um, there would be about 500 people in one of those and, um, about 20,000 people escaped, uh, to that refugee camp. And so we stayed there. I had a great time because (laughs) I was young. I was what, nine or so in third grade. And so I was like, we don't have to go to school. Yay. So I would just play with my friends all day, just like your dogs are sleeping at home all day today. Like that was like, it was great. And, you know, as a child, it's, you just live it differently than, than adults. And, um, you know, uh, now every time I see a cornfield, I think about the times that we would have to go to the cornfields to the bathroom, because that's kind of the only place that we had until the, the UN came and made some makeshift bathrooms for us. So we spent about, it was summer when we were there. And I remember we came home for New Year's Eve. So we were there, I don't know, three, four months, not too long. Thank God. Um, Mm. And uh, I do not eat white beans because that's kind of like the only thing that we had to eat. And uh, now I just cannot eat any white beans because it just reminds me of how awful they were back then. You were able to go home. Is that because the battle had moved, had shifted? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember distinctly when the army and our, like all the men escaped as well. And then they're like, okay, we're done waiting. We're going to go back and take our land. And there was a big rally and everybody was standing there and they were going to go. And my mom and all the women and everybody was like, yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> my mom, I feel like was the only one that was like, no, I don't want my husband to go. And so like I had my little brother that was like, two or three at the time and I was like holding him I remember my mom just like wailing on the side of the road while all the men were like that's like something that is you know is in my mind imprinted and everybody's you know walking with their guns and stuff to go back to to liberate the area and yeah so by New Year's Eve it was liberated and, and we were our home in New Year's Eve wow and, and over there the weather's kind of like here so, so the cold. it was cold man as you're describing this I'm thinking of the more recent news articles about Ukraine and did you has that been hard for you to see that yeah it's um my friends and I talk about it all the time you know we just um, look at the news and at first we would that's all we wanted to do is watch and see what's going on but then now days I, I kind of feel guilty for not wanting to watch it but I really I my boyfriend just turns off the tv when they're talking about the news we always watch the five o'clock pbs news and he just like 
coyly kind of like starts talking to me about something else then turns it off because he doesn't want me to to watch it and, and break down just because it just reminds me and so much especially when they're like talking about kids you know when they have the kids there and, and yeah. all that stuff so but mm-hmm. um yeah as a child you definitely experience it differently you know i remember my grandpa would go out and make a uh, salad out of dandelions have you ever had dandelion like the leaves i've heard you can make a salad out of it i haven't it's tried really it good yet, is it yeah oh. And then uh, stinging nettle we would use with eggs to make eggs uh, with stinging nettle. That was really good, too. I haven't had that here. (laughs) I'm going to want to try it. Your parents and grandparents were just really resourceful. And I imagine putting on a brave face so that you kids wouldn't bear the brunt of it. Exactly. Yeah, I can't even. Sometimes I wish I remember a little bit more, you know, but I I don't remember a lot of the things. Because I think maybe your brain just decides to forget stuff. Yeah. So ultimately, when you were 11, I believe you did leave and resettle permanently. So the conditions, it sounds like, you know, at that point got good enough for you to come home for New Year's, but then kept deteriorating. Can you give us a little sense of what was going on and why your family was in danger? Yeah. um, So my parents never really wanted to leave Bosnia. And so we stayed there throughout the whole war. In 95, it ended and we're still there. My dad had escaped to Germany and come back. And then it wasn't safe for us to stay there anymore. So we, we decided to apply to come come here. And so then we had family. At that point, you couldn't come just because you wanted to. You had to have somebody to sponsor you. And so my family, we had family in Iowa and family in Boise. And they all wrote us letters. I remember we were reading those letters <laughs> telling us about what it's like. Because, you know, you couldn't talk on the phone. It was so expensive to call back then. And uh, in Iowa, they told us that they are all working in like um, the pig farms that they have there. And those jobs were really hard. Um, And then in Boise, you know, the people that were talking about Boise, they were just like, oh, we love it here. It's great. And so we decided to to come to Boise. And when your family resettled in Boise, had a lot of other Bosnian families already resettled here? Were you on the early? Because I know in the 90s, Bosnia was one of the top countries of origin for people coming to Idaho as refugees. Were you on the early wave of that or did you already have kind of an established Bosnian community here when you got here? Yeah, I don't, I I guess, you know, yeah, definitely there were people that were coming before us and I, I would say maybe we were in the middle, but a lot of people came around the time that we did. And so there was, I don't know if you, have you ever passed by Dave's Park apartments that are down on 27th street? Mm-hmm. That's where we all came. Um, they, um, a lot of us were living in those apartments. And so when we came, there were probably three or four families. And then when while we were there, it was probably 10, you know. So we were all just, we all lived around that area. And it was nice to have somebody that's gone through some of the stuff that we were going to go through and to be able to show us the way. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were the refugee resettlement agencies around but sometimes it's just easier when somebody can explain it to you that's lived it Mm -hmm. in your native tongue and yeah i have another surprise for you (laughs) that reminds me so when we first came here we loved pate and so we would go to the store and try to find pate that was good and every pate that we you know somebody told us that it's called pate so um, we would made of. Uh, have you not had pa- me pate before? Like I don't know. <laughs> picture pate. It, here it usually comes in like these packages that are kind of like almost like a sausage, but like a bigger sausage. Okay. I think the main one is made with duck liver, but the okay. one that we is with chicken. And so I brought some pate for you to try. Okay. 
Sorry, this is a podcast, everyone. I wish you could all try it with us. I think, Maya, you've led cooking classes before, right? I know with your bread. Yes. Your delicious bread. Do you, you remember make. my bread? I, I haven't do. made that in years. <laughs> so this is pate that we make in Bosnia, and oh. everybody loves it. And so, yeah, that's the, the point of this story is that when we first came here, we would go to the store, and this is just one example of an, of an item, and we would be like, we would literally, I remember my parents buying every single pate that was in the store to see which one would be the closest one to the kind that we would eat, and then none of them were good. Oh. They were all awful. <laughs> and so uh, we stopped that after we realized that we wouldn't be able to have pate. And then, you know, for the longest time, people would bring pate when they would go visit Bosnia in their luggage but then now we have two Bosnian stores and people can buy that here. Uh, oh, and okay. at first they wouldn't even allow for the sale of them here because, I don't know, there was probably something in there that the FDA didn't approve. But mm. I think they might have changed that. So now it's allowed to sell it here. And so, so where are the Bosnian stores here? Yeah. Um, one is on Orchard and Emerald. That's Bosnian Express. And then the other one is on Mitchell and Fairview. And that's uh europe delicious oh yes i think i've had an event catered by them it's really oh cool you eat meat i'm guessing Mm -hmm. okay i was like oh shoot i should have asked that first no thank you for sharing this is awesome yeah i'm just gonna cut a little piece of bread this is just winkle bread i didn't have time to make it and then i'll put some on there for you so you can try it you could have told me you made it and i would have never known (laughs) (laughs) so yeah bread is one of those things that we eat a lot in bosnia and i remember when i first came here my well not first like after years of being here one of my best friends she loved um sushi and so she was like oh come on you've got to go try this with me and so i'm like she's telling me about the experience and i'm like so there's no bread served like no bread at all like just just rice and she's like yeah well, I'll go with you, but literally I said this, I'm going to bring some bread with me in my bag because <laughs> there's no way I can be have a meal without bread. Like that's how I felt. Oh my gosh. And, um, <laughs> but now it's our tradition. My best friend Daniela and I always go out for sushi and, um, yeah. So thank you. This is pate. I can't, I've not found one person that doesn't like this. Cause I think it's just amazing, but you can. Oh, it's really good. It first reminds me of tuna fish, but then it has a more savory like mm-hmm. yeah. flavor. Yeah. Thank you so much. For now sharing. everybody's gonna go to uh, the Bosnian store and ask for the pate. Argeta. There's different different brands, and Argeta is the one that's the best brand. Mm. Wow. Well, thank you. It's super fun to learn about your food and. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to to you know and I you know how I did the Mandela Washington Fellowship here. And uh, we had people from Africa here and I took them the first day to the store and it was just fun watching them like go through that same experience that we went through when, when I was here first because it's just it's hard to find the same things mm-hmm. here. Yeah. I know when I lived abroad, people, whenever their friends would be visiting, they'd be like, give them a list. And of course, it's like this really sugary American cereal or M&Ms or like, you know, things that they just crave and miss and it would be fun to yeah see people come and bring those just things that you miss from home that you don't really appreciate that much when you were there or you didn't really think to you know they're just always around peanut butter i think is oh. the one that's like everybody from america always wants when they're abroad yeah that would be mine too <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so when you came to boise you were 11 which right am i 11 yes and mm-hmm. um i mean that age in itself is a transition then you're also transitioning such a huge part of your life and your environment. So can you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you early on? Yeah, so it was good to have 
Bosnian community around to to be around because I really I was like oh my gosh we're going to America I love this I'm gonna be I'm just wanted to to be here like you know I watched all the Baywatch movie you know <laughs> series and I just thought it was just gonna be like that here and then I came and and I felt really alone because you know I was missing my friends you know I'd go in the playground and all the kid American kids would be like go back to where you came from Aww. and um it just it's just a kid thing I don't know that yeah the kids are cruel and <laughs> they can be cruel and so it's it's just the way that that it is and it's it's sad but with my bosnian friends i felt like always like oh okay fine you know i just have my group of friends and when i was in high school in centennial high school we would just all gather around in one one place and we would all just have all the bosnians there and then when I, my graduation year i was the only one left in centennial everybody had moved to a, another school because of district redistricting mm. and uh so i would spend uh, my um breaks in the bathroom stalls because I didn't have any friends. All my Bosnian friends had left and I didn't make any friends with Americans, you know, and it was fine for us because we had our own world. We were just living in our own world and we're like, whatever, who cares? Like, you don't want to be friends with us. That's fine. We don't want to be friends with you either. And so we just created our own world. We had our own parties, just hung out with uh, all the different Bosnians. And that lasted for until, you know, we all left high school and started you know in college things started changing and you know, I started getting more american friends and, and things like that so i don't know what it is about kids and not being able to make friends i don't know i think it's a common thing right yeah for sure i i didn't have the experience of moving growing up but i've you know from people who moved to a new place and that feeling of being the different one mm -hmm. it's really eye opening to me of like oh pay attention when somebody might be in that position and maybe extend <laughs> you know a hand yeah. or some hello or something because yeah. you don't realize like how vulnerable it might feel yeah. i think i think so too but you were kind of sharing how your family even helped start a center to keep your community's traditions alive and kind of pass those down can you talk a little bit about what that was like sure so there was a guy named irvaz husic here in boise that was living here uh, when we were here and he was a uh, folk dancer in Bosnia. And so here he was like, okay, I think this would be a good idea to start a folk dancing group with all the Bosnian kids that are here. Just to kind of keep us, what they say, off the streets kind of thing. You know, just um, <laughs> give us something to do. And so um, we started gathering in different schools and different places. And we were able to uh, get nonprofit status in 2000, which was great. Helped us a lot with grants. At one point, we even got a grant to practice at Bali, Idaho, and had one of their teachers there to help us as well. That was really, really nice. And then the Basque Center also helped us. They allowed us to use their space to practice. We definitely had some good community support in what we were doing. And it just, um, the name of the group is called Mladi Behar, which means Young Blossom. Oh, is that what it means? Uh -huh. I'm just curious about that. Yeah. Is I Young Blossom a like a symbol or a phrase that's more common in Bosnia? Um, yeah, I think um, people imagine it as like the becoming of spring, you know, things are growing and things are becoming better. So that's mm -hmm. why we chose that name, just to kind of, that we're young blossoms in America and we're going to grow here. Yeah. And now you've been, you know, when you were settled, that was about almost 25 years ago. So you've been in Boise longer than you haven't been in Boise mm -hmm. and spent a lot of your later childhood and all of your adulthood. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it's like to 
I don't know if you consider yourself like to be a refugee after that long. Maybe that's just a term that you used at the beginning. And then after that, you know, you don't embrace it anymore. What's it like to have this much time behind you since resettlement? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. It's funny because I think sometimes we forget that we came here as refugees and then everybody, everything around you reminds you of that you, you did because, you know, everywhere you go, it's like, oh, where are you from? What's your accent kind of thing? I remember being on the plane with my friend Margaret one time. We were going to the Bahamas and literally like three times, like it, on the way to, you know, how long does it take to go to the Bahamas from here? Like 10 hours or something. I was asked in that time frame, like five times, like, where are you from? <laughs> you know, like, And I'm like, ah. So she's like, next time we're traveling, we're just going to have a shirt that says, I'm Bosnian. <laughs> and like, just like, just so you don't have to explain it. Mm-hmm. And I guess it becomes a part of your identity. Like, I think at some point it's like when people don't ask, you're like, huh, wow. I wonder why they didn't ask. Because oh. it's like, it's just such a, such a part of, I don't know if this happens to others that, or maybe because I have a bigger accent it comes out. I don't know. But it just, and at this point, it's like, I like to say my family came here as refugees. And so it, using that language makes me think that it's like, it's behind us. And um, now, you know, I feel definitely more at a Hoan than I do any any other, you know, Bosnian or American because you know sometimes with American friends I'm like I can't relate to some of the things that they talk about and then you know if I'm with my Bosnian friends from Bosnia it's I'm even more removed from Mm. their lives of course but then you know I have my Bosnian friends here that have gone through the same experience I have and so we kind of understand each other very well that way and you know having lived through all the things in Boise you know I remember when eighth and main when it was like the big hole remember mm-hmm. for the longest oh, time yes. and everybody's like oh it's cursed you know yep. like nothing's <laughs> gonna go in there and look at it now you know i remember mirror beaters reign on the city for so many years and then mclean came and it's like oh my god there's a competition you know and um i just feel like idaho is and you know we have our roots here and I think it's very bosnian not to move it's like you put your roots somewhere and you just stay mm. That's so funny. I was a reporter when they announced that there was going to be a building in uh-huh. the cursed hole. And that was like the huge story. And yeah. went out and covered the ribbon cutting and everything. So it's you have a shared experience with fellow people, right? Over the years of yeah. growing up in a place. So that's really cool. Yeah. Do you have any things that you notice that you mentioned earlier? We were talking the other day and you said, you know, airplane flies over your head and not even choosing to, you still have this instinctual reaction mm-hmm. and like a guardedness. Yeah. Do you have anything else like that? Traumas are different in different for different people, and that's one that has stuck with me. But I would say more than that, I have these like Bosnianisms that you know <laughs> we take off our shoes when we go inside the house, and you offer coffee for whoever comes over to visit like three times, and. <laughs> just different ways that we live that it's like my American boyfriend is always like, what, how does that, how does that work? But yeah, after, after being here for such a long time, there's definitely still those things that, that stay with you. I don't know that they're ever going to go away. It's cool that they don't go away. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. um, you talked about your identity is kind of like identifying as an Idahoan, identifying as a Bosnian and then the American identity piece. What do you feel 
resonates with you about the American identity? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like being a little bit more open to other places, you know, see here, everybody's like, oh, I want to try Bosnian food. I want to try this kind of food. I want to try that kind of food. I think a lot of uh, in, in Bosnia, it's not like that as much. I mean, it didn't used to be when I was there. I don't know if it's changed, but it's like, oh, mine is the only, you know, the best way. And uh, here it's it's nice to, to have that, experience that. And I feel a lot of times that I can, in a lot of situations, I feel like I can kind of pull myself out and, and watch it from, from a different, like a third perspective, kind of, just having had to like live in those two different worlds. And, you know, when, when people are like, oh, you know, it's so hard, you know, English is so hard or, or things like that. And like, to me, you know, I learned Spanish after mm-hmm. uh, as, as an adult and English was just a lot easier to learn, I think, as a lo- language and all the different things mm-hmm. that, that we have here are easier than, than other languages. So how old were you when you learned English? I started when I was nine in Bosnia. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. I remember just like speaking with my friends in like Bosnian and then I would like be like oh yeah glass and it goes like you know I know that word in English because we just really really wanted to learn it and so when we came here when we were traveling I remember learning the word ice we were on the airplane and my parents are like no ice because that's one thing that Bosnians will not like they usually don't like ice in their drinks and um, I don't think a lot of places in the world do that except for here oh really yeah I think America is the one that does the ice the most and so my parents were like, no, tell them that I don't want any ice. And, you know, as an 11 year old, I was already as a, as a translator. And I was like, no, that. Oh. And I didn't know the word for ice because we don't use it so much. And so and she's like, ice. Oh, OK, ice. So I remember the word ice. And then um, I also remember we were we had to spend the night in New York to travel here. So from Europe to New York. And then they gave us the vouchers to go to like a Denny's back in the day when they used to do that with airlines. And so we got to Denny's and I was like ordering a sausage, you know, I was like, Oh, sausage. That's great. Like, I know that word. We'll get some sausage. And I was like three sausage. And she's like, but these sausages are like the small kind. I'm like, mm. what do you mean? Small kind though? Those, they don't come in that way. Like they're usually large sausages Share with everybody. Yeah. yeah. Like large size sausage, not like the sausage links that we have that you have here. And so that was that was interesting to try to maneuver that with like limited English. That reminds me when I was in Joburg, I went to the deli counter to order ham, and I said like a quarter pound, and then he looked at me, ah. and my brain froze. Mm-hmm. I could not, for the life of me, think of any other metrics than pounds, and uh-huh. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> so those kind of things were always interesting to translate my brain i'm like why couldn't we have all just stayed on the same system <laughs> yeah yeah it's not fun to have to go back and forth i don't remember that i that's what i learned but i don't i don't use it anymore just use the american i did like the feeling of going 65 through a neighborhood but it was 65 kilometers, <laughs> kilometers. So not quite as <laughs> speedy and fun but i'm curious if you want to talk about this aspect of it at all before having you on you know i've been reading more I'm a little bit perplexed as to why we weren't taught more in school about what happened in Bosnia during that time. And and I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about, you know, what caused this, what created this conflict, just like a brief overview, and if that has impacted the way you see the world today. Like, mm-hmm. you know, does it give you a sense that maybe things are more fragile than we thought they were in terms of like a democracy or the way things can change based on like you get one idea started or just start seeing a group of people it's different and the way that can devolve I'm just wanting to hear your thoughts on that 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely <laughs> remember that up until the day that the war started in my town, people kept saying, oh, war's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like, people are fighting, like, close by in close neighborhoods, but they're like, it's not going to happen in our neighborhood. Or, like, oh, it's just going to be a couple of days and it's going to be over. And so now, like, when Syria was happening, when now Ukraine, it's like, it was like, oh, yeah, this is going to go, it's going to be quick. Like, things are going to get better. And I'm like, it doesn't. And it's it's just, I guess, uh, jades you, like, just become jaded by, with those the kinds of things and definitely think that it can happen. Like, and when the capital was attacked here, I was just like, the feelings were just so real. I was like, oh, my God, is this, like, are we going to go into war again? Like, mm -hmm. I just couldn't believe that it, it wasn't possible. Like, I definitely feel like that's possible. Mm -hmm. the reason people were in danger was because of their ethnicity specifically you know yeah it's usually like regions so like depending on where you lived depending on which army was coming through and you know bosnia from back in the day like it, it was ruled by so many different countries and so many different times like there was wars there a lot and whoever was the strongest you know they they won and they you know conquered the area it's very hilly and so people didn't live like in very close close area so they like it was dispersed and so it was hard it was easier for bigger powers i guess to come and, and conquer the area and history is written by the people that that win right and mm -hmm. so uh there's lots of different stories of what actually happened but you know the the logist was just you know we had republic so fed federation which was yugoslavia which was um ruled by tito josip Broz tito for 45 years he ruled after world war ii that that country was formed and it was formed of six countries, uh, Slovenia, Bosnia, Serbia. But well, back in the day, they were not countries. When they were part of it, they mm. were kind of like states. Mm -hmm. um, and Montenegro, Macedonia, and Slovenia. Did I say Slovenia already? Um, so yeah, six. So six countries, six states. And then they, um, when he died in 1980, I believe, and all of those countries wanted to have their own country, like wanted to be independent. And some of them broke up, broke apart, and they're like, okay, we have our own state. We formed our states. And then when Bosnia decided to do it, uh, they wanted to have independence from the big Yugoslavia country, whatever it was called. There were so many different ethnicities in Bosnia. So there was a lot of uh, Bosnian Serbs and Bosnian Croats that they didn't want to be ruled by one Bosnia, which at the time was a little bit more leaning towards like Saudi Arabia. And so that meant like a little bit more Muslim than what the other cultures in Bosnia wanted. And so those countries, so Serbia and Croatia came to help those people in, in Bosnia and didn't allow for Bosnia to be come just one state they wanted to have those areas so it's all about land and it's just so dumb to me i just like i hate it like all kinds of wars it's just like why why do we have to have a war to for land like why do people have to die it doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. i think that a lot it's heartbreaking the way a seed planted an idea can devolve to the point of someone being completely dehumanized and i don't think any culture is immune to that or any country or nation state 
which I think learning from history is so important. Uh, you know, growing up here, I was thought, oh, we made it. Like we got past World War II and we made it. We're here and everything's great now. <laughs> you know, you grow up and you realize, you know, thankful for what we have, but there's definitely not 100% guarantee. That, so we have to be careful of, you know, how people are treated, how they're viewed and stand up for all the dignity and humanity of each of us. So that's, it's just when you see what happens in other places, you're like, oh, well, that was there and that was then. But it's just, yeah, we are all, there's a lot of strength and um, momentum, I think, for unity and humanity, but there's also a lot of threats to that. So I think being the kind of person that builds the kind of community that we want, it's going to be really important. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think, like you said, that, oh, it's happening over there, but yeah, it can happen here too. For the longest time, you know, my family didn't have a lot of ties to Bosnia, but now it's like, <laughs> maybe we should go back there and like buy more land or something just in case something bad happens here. Wow. It's, it's, it's such a crazy thing to think about, but do you have any desire to ever live there again? Huh. That's a good way to put it. Desire. Like, hmm. I feel like Idaho I love it here my family's here I don't know that I'd ever want to go anywhere else actually the desire I have is to go live in Spain because <laughs> I lived there for a while and that's like I love that country so no I don't think that I'll ever go back to live in Bosnia maybe I don't know you never know where life's gonna take you I don't think my parents really realized they were gonna end up in the United mm -hmm. States and your parents um, are gonna go back to visit yeah they're right? going this weekend uh, they're leaving this weekend so many Bosnians are going right now like my Facebook feed is all about like everybody's over there and then when I see people in my hometown in front of like some of the places I just get so nostalgic and I'm like oh I wish I was there you know like it definitely pulls you it has that yeah. is there a reason they're all visiting or just time of year is there a it's holiday year just you know summer vacation people like to go and it's um everybody goes at the same time there and so it, it's a little bit more lively than during the rest of the year the Bosnians that live there there in the rest of the year are like oh it's so boring here there's nobody here like people from the you know other parts of the world don't come because there's a lot of Europeans that come and in Europe there's a lot of vacations in the summer so those people come have you been much back uh, many times? Yeah, I've been a few times. Yeah, it's, it's been it's really fun to visit. We were going to go this year, but tickets were so expensive. It was easier to go to Spain than to Bosnia. So we ended up going to Spain. Mm. I don't know that Spain my cousins does. like that as oh, much. <laughs> They're I not happy with me. <laughs> Spain does have a special pole. I got to visit for the first time recently and it was really special. So where'd you go? We went to, we were in the Basque country. We were on the Camino for a few days. So it was very special. Yeah, Camino's great. But you have done a lot of uh, giving back, I think, to the community. What I've seen, you know, just in the events that we've gone to that you've hosted about Bosnian culture and food and dance. You brought your uh, dance teaching skills to our conference on resettlement oh. in February. And, and the whole room of like 500, 600 people were dancing around the room. That was really special. My calves were sore <laughs> afterwards. Um, and that was really cool to learn and to see you wearing the traditional wear, uh, the robe and regalia and yeah i love that you are giving back to keep things alive and to share them with others what is that like for you is it does it help you stay connected does it get tiring and what do you hope to see come from that i think it's just so nice to see so many people interested in that and they are all like genuinely interested because i know that you know when we have these bazi and cooking classes they always sell out and it's like yes there's definitely demand for that 
and that's kind of what gives me the motivation to do it is just uh, others wanting it. There's so much desire, I guess, again, to to learn about this. And, and that's uh, why I feel like so connected to Idaho is just because there I've met so many people that are just really interested in learning about that. And it's nice to have something that you can you can share. And I guess maybe it just comes from the whole Bosnian thing being such a sharing culture and like sharing other things. But then when people are interested in this other in this, then it's like, OK, yeah, I have to do it because they want it again you know that whole like where are you from like i i am bosnian i am not running away from that i that's who i am i speak to my parents in bosnian all the time i do so many things differently because i am and so embracing that and knowing that it's welcomed here is is just it just makes you feel so at ease it's just like yeah i'm american i'm bosnian i'm idahoan like all those things do you have any advice for someone who is genuinely curious about someone's background how to go about that and when to maybe not engage your curiosity and what's a nice way to show that interest yeah i think starting the conversation off with something else like i like your shoes (laughs) (laughs) or what's your favorite food or something something and then like if you're really you know after a couple of questions you know back and forth then you can ask like so i hear you have an accent or something like that you know where where's that from kind of thing i think that would be an easy what i would prefer i guess so it's not all just about like oh i have this curiosity about you i'm gonna get that itch scratched and then move on yeah and that's all i see you as yeah okay yeah i used to get asked that when i would travel i'd be like yes and when they said australian i was like yes (laughs) 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 well is there anything else that you would like to share in terms of maybe advice for the receiving community where people are resettling or advice for people who are newer in the resettlement process? Yeah. So I really think that having the Bosnian Cultural Center really helped me tremendously as a individual, as a leader in the community, uh, just giving me the platform to um, be able to be on stage and present our organization, do the dancing, show the food, like it's it's really felt like I have grown with the community, you know, being like I remember the first time I had to go on stage and, and present our organization because Irvaz was like, I'm going to speak, say this in Bosnian, but you have to translate in English. And so I, that's how why I was on stage. And he gave me a shot of rakia <laughs> <laughs> to go on there uh, and not be shy. And now it's like, yeah, I do it all the time without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So it, it really, the platform was really nice to have. And, you know, I think about the whole like cliche thing, America is a melting pot. And it's so true. Like we come here and we are all our own. If you imagine a pot of vegetables, you know, you have your carrots, you have your tomatoes, you have your potatoes and they're all their own little things. And then after time, they just meld together. And you can still feel a little bit of that tomato or a little bit of that carrot. And sometimes it's more carrot. Like, you know, the Basques, they have been able to really keep their culture alive here and really thrive in this community. I don't know how or what their secret is. I've always been asking in, in communication with them on that. But mm-hmm. um, And then others just get you know dispersed and you don't experience them or or sense them as much so um, I think the receiving communities can be a little bit more 
patient with the time that it takes for people to become accustomed to things here and become a little bit more American, I guess. Because at first, it's really nice to have that community that understands where you're coming from and uh, that you can bond with. And then with time, that that will change and, and you will become more American. You know, those people, why, why are you speaking Bosnian? And I remember when we were in River Glen, they would like chastise us for speaking our own languages because we, it was like a school where we were supposed to all speak English and, and we were just like, because we want to and now nobody speaks it like mm -hmm. i get together with my friends and we all speak in english because it's just easier for us and so 26 years later so like when people are just coming here let them let them be who they are and and let them take their time and if they don't find themselves here like oh those people that say you know well if you came here you should know the language well they will and if they don't they choose not to they'll go back to their country country and they won't stay here so i think you know yeah just having a little bit more patience would be something that and then the communities that come here like my advice for them is to take it take it take their time to spend time with their community and you know ha making american friends will, will come with time mm -hmm. it doesn't happen overnight and i think you know the preservation of the traditions and language and is really beautiful as well i was sharing with you earlier that i'm three generations removed from family members who immigrated from places in Europe and the languages and traditions have since faded and I find myself very hungry for them. Like, what were they? What songs would we be singing? What would I be speaking or cooking? And it's really special, I think, when, a, when generationally it can stay alive as much as is organic and not forced. Mm -hmm. But if it's forced, I can imagine that would feel kind of burdensome to have to carry something forward that doesn't feel natural anymore yeah yeah it's hard it's it's a hard conversation because i and i know i wish i there were more people in in boise that would be like okay yes we're gonna continue this we're gonna have uh, you know i've tried so hard to have bosnian classes and every bosnian parent you see they're like yes i want my child to learn bosnian and then i organize classes and two of them show up and it's like why am i doing you know why are we doing this and i don't blame those parents anymore it, i think you know i was telling you that one of my uh faculty at boise state was telling me that the first generation that gets here all they think about is surviving you know and they have to work two jobs they have to do as much as they can to to get by the second generation just wants to fit in and then the third generation is finally like you that is hungry for this and and wants to know more and and that by that time it's sometimes too late so it's it's an interesting conundrum <laughs> that we're in so i think like right now like people are genuinely do want their kids to learn the language and they wouldn't say no but it's like but then there's soccer and then there's you know my <laughs> part-time job and then there's this other thing and and it just it does it comes it, it gets put on the back burner mm -hmm. i tried to do it and i'm guilty of it too because i uh started um teaching my niece bosnian uh, over zoom during the pandemic and so i'm like okay well let's continue this and then you know we did it for some time and now it's like summer and i'm always busy on this day and so we've missed now a whole month and and more and it's like yeah this is my intention i really want to teach her and i want her to to keep the the language but then life happens and and then you don't do it so and then you know i don't like to do things halfway if i say i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it right <laughs> and so then it's like okay well it's just not gonna do anything so it, it's it's a battle 
that's a really big battle. Yeah, I think whenever uh, there's opportunities to work with like other organizations doing something similar, that's always when it's fun to come. Like the for World Refugee Day that happened in June, it was really cool to see all these different cultures come together and and share um, traditions. But it wasn't like they weren't alone trying to carry it forward. You know, it was a whole communal effort and um i know that the idaho museum for international diaspora is starting up their cooking classes again so it might be a cool chance to get a bosnian chef we've been in, in their <laughs> classes too yeah, yeah we've yeah. done their classes and global so, lounge yeah global lounge has been around and i've been a part of that organization since you know years ago and and you know it's it's always definitely encouraging to see that they they're organizing things and they need us to be a part of that and continue so yeah i agree i think we're learning at the idaho office for refugees too is like where can we link hands with someone already doing something similar and then all the heavy lift isn't on you know one person or one organization to keep people connected and keep some of these traditions shared locally i feel so motivated by all of the work <laughs> that you guys do i mean i feel guilty like i see like oh. all the stuff that you do and i'm like they did this for me. Why aren't we doing more as a community to help the next generation of immigrants? But it's it's sad. I wish we did better. Well, I hope you don't feel guilty because you've definitely been very instrumental in helping me even get into my role. You've been one of my key people that I've gone to for questions and events. So I really appreciate your openness and always being willing to help and jump in. So Thank you, Maya. And um, if people want to engage, is there still a platform for them to ask questions or to learn more? Yeah, we still have our Facebook page active. You know, we're on there. I get the messages. So definitely find Mladi Behar on Facebook. I think in the past when I couldn't remember Mladi Behar, I, I searched Bosnian Center Idaho and it came up. So yeah. you'll probably find it if you search that. But okay, well, thank you so much, Maya. I really appreciate you being here today. You're welcome. Thanks for the yummy treats. That was I really you, fun. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I did. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining the conversation. For more information on how to be involved with refugee resettlement, please visit IdahoRefugees.org. Mosaics is produced by the Idaho Office for Refugees with grant support from the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust. Music by the Afrosonics. Production in partnership with SB Studios.